Let's go. Oh dear. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Your mic is bad. Already? Oh my god. Hi, Emily. Oh, we're keeping all that in? Okay. Hi, Stevie. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> the sex files <laughs> on today's episode <laughs> Emily is laughing also she just laughs silently <laughs> you guys know I'm not laughing at myself I'm trying to laugh silently because if I laugh how I actually laugh, it blows out the speaker every single time. It does. You don't know. You don't listen back. It doesn't. I don't listen. I don't listen back, but I know because I can hear it. You, when I laugh, <laughs> I can't hear you. So that's how oh. I know that it blows it out. Oh. <laughs> your laugh is beautiful. It's your happy making noise. I know. I love that. <laughs> that's my favorite way to describe laughs. You guys, nobody can be mean to themselves about their laugh because it's your happy-making noise. And that's the most beautiful sound that you can make. Sam's like a really <laughs> guttural orgasm. <laughs> Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've had lots of coffee today. And by lots of coffee, I just oh mean more coffee than I've had as of late. Oh, my God. Awesome. Either way. If you're laughing or if you're coming, we love both of those for you. Those are the two <laughs> best noises. <laughs> and that's a fact. That's a fact. That, that is a fact. To quote our Lord and Savior Kamala. OG cop. OG cop. That's Scully's idol. Okay. Uh, All right. Anyway. <laughs> No, Kamala Harris would absolutely—I can't speak—would absolutely be Scully's one of Scully's role models, idols. I'm not over the fact that Scully's a cop. I mean, I will never be over the fact that Scully's a cop. And a Navy brat. I know. That time you told me—I don't know if it was on the podcast or if it was just in our life—but you were like, oh dear. you were like, Stevie, Scully's definitely pro-military. And I was like, no! <laughs> See, like, here's the thing. I feel like she's pro-military, but she's pro-military indoctrinated because of her dad and because of her, like, brother. Did Bill serve? I don't yeah, know. yeah, the older one. Or is that just in fic? Anyway. No, 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 he really did. Okay, yeah, so I think that that's why, right? So Because she grew he lives up... in a base, like, in the, in the same house, just like when they grew yeah. up in. So she was definitely, like, the type of person who was, like, how can you bash the military? Like, my dad's in the, in <laughs> whatever, and my my brother's going to be in the military, and they're both great men. You know, she was like yeah, that. Yeah. She was like, my single singular experience with my family's military history supersedes all of the corruption and all of the discrimination and all of the horrible <laughs> things that they do, like the genocide that they commit. <laughs> Um, but then I feel like when she became friends with Mul became friends when she started working <laughs> her and Mulder became buddies. When her and Mulder started working together and like, you know, they got closer, I feel like he was a great influence on her and was like, Scully, fuck the military. And she was like, Oh my god, fuck my dad. Yeah. I wanna <laughs> fuck my dad? <laughs> no. 
Fox Mulder simultaneously, his biggest accomplishment is nothing professionally. His biggest accomplishment is dismantling, simultaneously dismantling Scully's pro-military stance and her daddy issues. (laughs) He's a powerful man. We're so, truth be told, (laughs) we're so excited because um, we're recording this about an hour and a half, an hour and 27 minutes to be exact. Um, The Jillian Anderson is doing Q&A live on instagram and she's in our time zone so like you know the tiktok sound that's like am i better than everyone that's us because she's in our time zone yep um also (laughs) i just finished reading the oh my um, god masters of sex x files crossover fic (sighs) wow like i've become obsessed and i haven't even actually read it just from emily telling me about it I think truly like the closest thing to a perfect fic I've ever read. Do you want to explain to the listeners what um, Masters of Sex is? Yeah, I'll explain it. So this is how powerful it is. It's so powerful that it's, it got me to watch the show Masters of Sex that like the cross, that the crossover is about. Have you watched it yet? A fic. No, I'm saying like a fic was so powerful and so well written that it actually is making me watch the show that it was based off of anyways um so basically well i'll just say what the fic is about because i'm not sure how closely it the, is the show actual. is yeah and sorry if my voice is like scratchy i woke up with a really bad sore throat i don't have covid because i'm vaccinated <laughs> double vaxxed up but anyways okay um so the fic is basically, um, it takes place in the 50s. Mulder's a doctor, um, uh, specifically like a human sexualities doctor and like reproductive, um, like, like basically a, like a family planning sort of thing, like a family planning doctor. Um, and Scully comes in and she's his resident and they start like doing research and she helps him do research on what he's like he wants to investigate which is just like understanding human sexuality better um specifically so that women like have a better time sexually and so um they sort of go through all of these different trials and options and at first they they go and they um they work with um, sex workers and like try to get data that way um and then they have volunteers who want to be a part of the study come in and they get they gather data that way and then eventually they just realize that it would be easier and better if they just started sleeping together to conduct the studies because they knew all the proper terminology and knew all the you know the phases that you go through and could collect data real time and um yeah and that's that's where we start off such a hot concept it's a really hot concept and i can't wait to read it and it like just from emily emily's been walking me through it like as she's reading it and it's consumed my every thought oh my god totally well just because we were talking about it how like that kind of setup where you're doing like these characters are doing research it's like equal interest in each other's pleasure and like so much consent i can't even fathom there being that much consent with everything being done 
because totally. it's all like base it's all because they want to and because they're curious and both wanting to explore and that's so sexy mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing and it's also weird because they use like very um not very medically based terminology but they use like you know um they don't use like coded language that makes it sexier like they truly just use like very scientifically correct terms and also i think the reason that it's so it's so enjoyable specifically to this situation is because like scully is actually a doctor so even though Mulder's a doctor in this fic like scully stays very true to her actual character so there's like an element of that that you know she would actually find very attractive and very very sexy because like this is the mix of two worlds for her yeah it's like you know she gets to have sex with Mulder and she also gets to be all sciencey and be a medical doctor and I so love that for her we'll post it everybody read yeah. it yeah you want to get into our question let's get in the question all right so the question is <laughs> hi (laughs) hi i want to talk back can we do a stream or something why don't we we go on instagram live (laughs) we could i mean is that silly i think that's silly okay go ahead (laughs) so i think you might have touched on this already or talked about it and i don't remember so sorry if that's the case that's so hey that's okay yeah we but, re-talk uh, about things all the time. We don't even remember what we talked about. Literally. But I was wondering what your thoughts are on death of the author regarding the X-Files. Like I, for example, always have a hard time letting go of canon as well as separating the media I'm consuming from the creator if I'm aware of them. And I really don't believe that it's possible to just see the material on <laughs> the material on its own without what we know about the author or what they have said or done coming into play in some way. And I guess it's becoming harder and harder for me to watch the X-Files or interact with it as I keep finding out more and more things Chris Carter and his team did behind the scenes or what he said on interviews and stuff. And honestly, it was pretty difficult from just the plot lines and things that are in the episodes themselves. And there's also the fact that I feel a little guilty for somehow contributing to Chris Carter and others, even if I question the show constantly and try to break it down. Thank God for one, two, three movies. Chris Carter is getting one dime for me. Shakes fist at the sky. Yeah. Yep. Um, well. So I think we should first start by like talking about what exactly Death of the Author is for yeah. people who don't know. Death of the Author was, it was like a literary theory mm-hmm. um, in like the 60s. What's his name? Roland Bartz mm-hmm. coined it. Um, and I've heard it like interpreted two different ways. I've heard it interpreted as, um, that a text has no inherent meaning, like a text, um, despite the fact that like the author may have, have inserted some meaning into it, that texts inherently have no meaning and that it is, um, the audience or the reader's prerogative and opportunity to, um, actively uh interpret that meaning of that text in their own way Mm -hmm. um the other way i've heard it interpreted is um 
taking into consideration the life experiences and circumstances of when the author wrote the text mm. and um, not taking that into account, but rather looking at it through your own lens, I guess. Would yeah. be. I guess the best way to describe it is that it's like, it's not, it's not really about the death of the author. It's more about like a birth for a reader or an audience. Yeah. Like, like a, a way of liberating your um, interpretation potential. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I, I have think, very mixed feelings about this theory. I, I agree. I, I, do, I do as well. Because I think on the one hand, writers who are specifically writing from, um, like, writers who are specifically writing based off of a life experience or based off of the circumstances in which they're writing, um, I think particularly with marginalized, marginalized writers and mm. Um, writers of color we'll just talk about writers in general like yeah. not other forms of media but like writers of color women female writers like I think all of that kind of genre like I think that all of those things are very important to keep in mind mm -hmm. right like when you're interpreting a text that's not to say that like you can't also then like if you interpret something differently from the way that it was intended that that's wrong I, I don't think that either yeah um but then on the other hand, I think that like because the majority of the media we consume and the, the majority of like, um, I don't know how you would classify like all forms of art, I guess, or forms of entertainment yeah. that we consume are predominantly from like a cis white male lens um, and like options aren't vast in, in other realms. Like mm -hmm. I think that subscribing to the death of the author is like is paramount in, in that case you know like yeah. I think that that's really crucial in that case yeah and I, th I think there's it's hard because you want to be conscientious of who you're platforming especially now since there's a greater social awareness of the detriment in platforming um authors with malintentions who have problematic past and things like that and you want to be mm -hmm. striving towards platforming and supporting artists that um have morals and that you support Absolutely. and that um like aren't white cis men to give more people um avenues to to talk and tell their stories and try to make reparations in that way uh and just have like more diverse consumption uh, yeah um I think that's like an, uh, a fairly new awareness. I know. Totally. Like, um, but then when it comes. Well, even, even like, I would say structural awareness. Yeah. Because like when we were in school, like when we were in school, I mean, I didn't yeah. read, like, the, it was predominantly from cis white men. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's like, I, I didn't start very... hearing about the importance of like varying um, your art and literary consumption until college totally and even so like i think it, it's it was just like the beginning of it mm -hmm. of, of that kind of discussion um and so i think like if if the x-files was on television right now and nothing was different about it and chris carter was the one writing it and everything was exactly the same i would not watch or support that show oh yeah no, no. right but it's similar to like I, I've struggled with this with studying Shakespeare because mm. so much of Shakespeare is problematic as fuck 
it's really yeah. anti-semitic it, it's it's racist it's so sexist like there's so many issues with it but the language is beautiful and studying it is really crucial to understanding the history of theater and so many varying acting techniques and all of those things mm -hmm. and so um it's i think when the i'm gonna try really hard to articulate this clearly because i've been thinking about it but i don't have it written down yeah when like the the benefits of something like i'm talking about things that aren't being created like right now because then you're thinking about who you're platforming right but these people have already been platformed they've already had successful careers like that's already happened that's right. out of your control right and i think when what you're getting from the piece of art outweighs the negative intention it is when i think it's okay to consume you know because yeah. that because there's a certain amount of like interpretation that i mean there's been a lot of debate over like whether intention has more power over interpretation and mm -hmm. i think interpretation really outweighs because that's what's long lasting like yeah. after so many years the intention kind of disappears when an overall interpretation has been like the popular way of consuming yeah. something do you know what i mean yeah and so i think like when like you can reframe the meaning of things and you can reclaim the meaning of things and so well, it's like i think like the reason we're we are where we're the reason we are we are where we are right now in terms of like popular culture and media and what's like what's considered um like monumental texts from the past and what's considered like the greats yeah. it's because people were actively choosing to uplift cis white male voices over others right as like because to subscribe to a worldview where you just think that like these were the only people creating mm -hmm. and these were the only people writing um is incorrect it's just easier to find because there's more of it and they and those are the voices that were uplifted yeah um, and put at the center of the conversation so i think like like i agree with you completely if you um what what matters is that right now with the media we're consuming and the media that we're pushing forward um what matters is that that is as intersectional across experiences as it can be yeah. that it's as diverse as it can be um because ultimately that is how something becomes a um a revered text or yeah. a revered form of media in the future because then and we're then, building what will be studied later on and that's not to say that like that only cis white men are um bad people that's not to right. say that but it's just like um but i think with in terms of like interpretation um it's really disheartening to see because obviously so much of the problem so many of the problems with the x-files is that it, they don't take into account um the experiences and the lives of people other than who they see around them which in the case of this show was just white heterosexual cis men so I think like with the interpretation aspect of it, like the more experiences that you have, the better, um, I just think that that's a better starting point. It doesn't, it, that's not, that doesn't mean that like all of these problems will be solved, but I definitely think that that's a better starting point. Yeah, I agree. And I think that like being an active participant in what you're consuming and being critical and thinking critically already takes away the power of whatever that negative intention was 
Because yeah. if you're watching an episode of the X-Files like gender bender and you're blindly and you're just like, yeah, that's fine. Everything being said and portrayed in this episode is totally fine. Then then you're a part of that issue. But if you're watching this and being like, oh my God, no, this is so wrong. I'm going to take this and be like, wow, this is how I don't want to be. I want to have more awareness and use that as a catalyst to educate yourself. Then it's exactly. overall having a beneficial effect. Exactly. I mean, it, I mean, it's, you know, like, I don't. Yes. Yes. No, I, I, you said it perfectly when you said that interpretation um, supersedes intent, I think. Yeah. Um, and if, if, if that, if that is the way that it is for you. And I think like for a lot of, I would say like, for a lot of like of the more um i guess just like progressive x-files fans i feel like that matters right like they are able to look at the show and say okay well this intent was horrible even if the intent wasn't horrible those those isms and those biases and all of those stereotypes still exist yeah they still exist even if it wasn't the intention and yet um you know i think like walking away with it the reason that's why that's why so many incredible um forms of meta exist and so many incredible forms of like character studies of scully exist and Mulder exist and mm-hmm. why so much great fan fiction exists um is because despite the problematic aspects of the show they have been able to take away what they like from it without making the excuse for the show that it was perfect or that or that criticizing the show and loving it and it meaning a lot to you cannot coexist yeah and i think like that's the the most unsettling um most unsettling part um about this is that and you see you and i talk about this often which is just that like if if chris carter being horrible like say again say the show came out now if chris carter being horrible was enough to make people not consume the x-files like we wouldn't have this problem yeah like if if a white man violating somebody else was enough to make that man um not have a public and thriving career we wouldn't have this problem yeah exactly but we but people choose the privileged group that they are in um over solidarity with a marginalized group that they're in or an oppressed group that they are in naturally i'll say i don't want to say like nine times out of ten or whatever but like Mm -hmm. naturally so like you know people white people white women will choose their whiteness before their womanhood and i know we've talked about this before on here um And so like, that's the, that is at the root of the issue. Yeah. And like, it kind of gets into like cancel culture a little bit, which I don't really want to talk about now, but it's like, that's a whole other conversation. Cancel culture doesn't exist if you are, if you are white and heterosexual and cisgendered, like it just doesn't. And you can be all of them or one of them, like it just doesn't exist. But getting back to the question i think like because i really i really identify with this dilemma because um like so often i right now like if something comes out and the person who is at the who's the creator of it or who's at the helm of it if something like if they are 
anything. If they're racist, if they're misogynistic, like that's it. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like there's a tennis, there's a male tennis player who thought, who said that he agreed that women tennis players shouldn't be paid as much as male tennis players. And so that's it. I don't watch him play tennis anymore. Like, and so, and I know that we've talked about this before on here. And I think that like that the issue with this is that, like you said, the show's already been, it's over. Like Chris Carter has already been launched into success. He's already been at like the height of his career. Yeah. And yet those problematic aspects of the show and the problematic things that he has done in his life and the people that he has harmed through the story, through his real life, Mm -hmm. the damage is already done. Yeah. And so I, how do you reconcile that? Yeah, it's it's like knowing that the damage has been done, but then thinking that maybe you're able to pay some sort of reparations by, if you're going to consume it, be constantly critical of what you're consuming yeah. and making sure that that's like, you're not, like, I'm not promoting the X-Files as this perfect show yeah. that did no, you know, because then yeah. I feel like I would be contributing to the damage that's already done. But for me, and I know, I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked, when we did Irresistible mm. um, back in season two. Um, it's been so much time now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that for me, seeing Scully being treated so horribly fuel, like ignited an anger within myself of like the injustice that was happening to her and made me then realize that those same injustices have happened to me and in in thinking that she deserved better I also thought realized that I deserved better and that I love that and it's like my professors in college said this when I was working on my thesis on the x-files um because we got grouped by a category of what we were talking about so i was grouped with all the other people that were writing on gender issues um and we all were just so angry in our discussions talking about like this is so fucked up like i can't believe this was like out there and that people were okay with this and then um it created this really cool bond between all of us that was really healing and powerful and my professor says that anger is sometimes the catalyst for sisterhood and can create um and then that's how emily and i became friends because we bonded over this like just fury over these injustices that we were seeing on a character that we adored um and then now we've created this incredible sisterhood between us and we are a part of this wonderful community with you people who listen um that's all very positive and uplifting and does the exact opposite of what we were angry about to begin with and i think that that's really beautiful and it works to change it yeah exactly like there's no i think the like you know there's no there's no going back at this point mm. so it's like these the the bonds that you form and like the activism that you become involved in and the uplifting of voices who have not been uplifted in the past um all of that contributes to um to changing to changing this but i think the interesting thing um that the question brought up was like being conflicted between like going not being able or not liking going against canon but also being deeply disturbed and like very triggered by canon. Yeah. And like, it's, it ultimately, it just goes back to like, of course that's going to happen because like white cis 
men are at the helm of these stories. Like they are at the center of these stories. So of course that's going to be the, the, the stories that they're going to be telling are going to likely be triggering for some people in a lot of ways. And their stories are not going to be perfect. Yeah. Um, and the canon that they establish is not going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like, I, I don't have any rationale for people who don't, um, for the X-Files, who don't um, disregard the whole um, uh, conception of William. I don't. I kind of just pretend like that never happened and that d- doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Because um, sometimes, like, because there is no, like, what is, what is the reframing of that? There, there literally is no reframing of that. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's when you take, you know, that's when you take interpretation over intent specifically, you know, when you look at the parts that, like, like, I think that at that point, it's like death of the author becomes necessary, like I yeah. said in the beginning. Yeah. And I think, like, what I was trying to say in the beginning is that, like, if, like, what you're gaining from the show outweighs what is detrimental to you, then it's worth consuming. But if, like, you find yourself so bothered and triggered all the time that it's, like, not worth it anymore, then maybe rethink about what you're consuming. And if you, if this is something that you want to be actively, um, like, absorbing and and bringing into your life you know what I mean and I think the thing too is like I guarantee you that there are people who have written sci-fi stories like this better oh yeah so it's like is it gonna be is it going to be more difficult to find and to seek out yeah probably because again these are not the voices that are being uplifted Mm -hmm. but um they exist and like media consumption is for you. So, so yeah, exactly what Stevie said. Those are all of my thoughts, really. Perfect. With this issue, my thoughts are like ever evolving. So I, yeah. somebody could bring something to our attention about this that could completely change my mind. Totally. Because I, my initial reaction to death of the author was oh yeah of course why would you ever let that ruin a piece of art and then I went in the completely opposite direction where I was like no that's everything because you can't let people get away with that and now I'm somewhere more in the middle but I, I could be sway I don't it's ever evolving so yeah. I definitely don't claim that anything I said is like fact and right because no. I think this is it's complex and 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 art is such a big part of my life and and consuming it is is very it's it's ever evolving mm-hmm. well and I think it's like also case by case basis like it's yeah. shifting even not even over time but just through different pieces of media and through yeah. different pieces of art because there are things that I love despite the artist's intention and there are things that I love because of the artist's intention totally and I think that all so you're so right that it's case by case yeah shall we get into the episode <laughs> Yes. All right, let's fucking do this shit. So this is 731. Do I know why it's called 731? No, I don't. Was that the code? I don't think so. No, I was going to say it was the number on the top of the train, but it absolutely wasn't. So I'm at a loss for that one. Um, Is it an area code? (laughs) For Iowa, mayhaps? (laughs) 
Maybe. Iowanians. <laughs> Let us know. Is that what they're called? Sure. That's Iowanians. I don't know. So where we left off was Mulder finding evidence of this like secret project that the Japanese have been conducting on U.S. soil. Um, Scully finds out her abduction was part of a larger conspiracy and that she might die. Um, and Mulder jumping onto a train after Scully told him not to. So after that recap, we go to Perky, West Virginia. There's a joke about tits in there somewhere. <laughs> I can't seem to think of it. Perky? Yeah. When Stevie and I were driving cross country, <laughs> there was a town, what was it called? It was a town in somewhere in New York, in like the middle of the state, and it was called um, like uh, like MILF Town or something. Oh, yeah? Was that it? Something like that. I, I vaguely remember. Anyways, you couldn't spell it without MILF. And it was a very, very small town. The population was probably about 100 people. <laughs> oh, fuck. What was that called? I looked at MILF Town and um, some porns come up. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't delete that. Anyways, um, you couldn't spell it without MILF. And we drove through and Emily was really upset because there weren't no MILFs on the street. Yeah. It was just all men. Every person we saw was a man. Yeah. Disappointing. So, anyways, that's all to say that maybe maybe Perky will actually live up to its name. I hope so. For your sake. I don't discriminate. Let's just <laughs> make that abundantly clear. So, some military cars are breaking into a disease facility, and then some military men who are fucking high on testosterone run through <laughs> the woods with guns out. Um, they start rounding out like they start rounding up people from the facility that have abnormal looking shadows. Like we don't really know what, oh yeah. We don't really know what they look like, but they don't entirely look human. Um, and we watch this all happen from a point of view from under the floorboard. So it's like clear that somebody's hiding and trying to escape whatever's happening. It looks like aliens that they're rounding up into trucks. It's not clear. Um, and then the person who's under the floorboards watching, he's, like, very sick or injured. Like, none of this is clear, but he looks rough. Um, and he follows the trucks through the woods and watches what they do. I was going to so, say, I was gonna say par- it's partially unclear because of the lighting, but I'm pretty sure the lighting here is actually better than, any, than in any scene where we've seen any kiss that Mulder and Scully have shared ever. Oh, absolutely. Maybe besides the New Year's Eve one, but still. Yeah. No, it's true. And I know that they're, like, intentionally trying to be vague because they're like, are these aliens? Are these people? They love that. They they fucking cream over that. So these soldiers line up these possible aliens in front of a mass grave, and they shoot them, and they all fall in. And they're just really playing up this Holocaust imagery here with the blue pajamas and the possible that the possible aliens are in and it's just sick that they're taking things that happened in real life and making it happen to aliens possible aliens it 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 completely trivializes it to you like to use real tragedies to fuel a fictional plot absolutely and i can't imagine how triggering this scene might be for people it's like when we when I was watching and I said to you I was like what happens if like you because this is the 90s mm-hmm. right so yeah. people who survived the actual holocaust were still very much alive mm-hmm. so it's like I don't really understand how that's something that 
you could get away with right like yeah i don't know that th- that something is wrong and i don't know what it is but something is wrong well it's similar to the episode that we watched a few ones ago i don't remember what it was called but the one about the fucking serial killer and the connection to his other victim that we just did remember that the girl who was drowning was 13 oh yes yeah. yes yeah um, it's like that one that was yeah. based on a real story and they were like don't do that same energy should have been here like maybe don't 100%. yeah yeah it's just yeah. kind of like you know the holocaust imagery in this episode what's up with that you know that's kind of the sentiment <laughs> But it's, it's just, just this, I think the, the show has an interesting take on gratuitous violence, which is to yeah. say that it's entirely hypocritical. Yes. Um, yes. Which is like, it's funny when, because this show considers details about female characters' lives, um, see the nurse in that creepy ghost episode, and then Reyes, which I found out the other day, which I read, um, that make them three-dimensional and, and not just trauma hosts or, like, fill-ins. Mm-hmm. It's funny that they think that those details are gratuitous or, this is what they said about Reyes, quote, the kind of baggage they didn't want to deal with with this kind of character because apparently at some point they had been asked if Reyes was not straight, if she was a, a queer woman. And I don't remember who it was, but one of the main writers on the show said that that was it was the kind of baggage they didn't want to they didn't want to deal with. But this is fine. But but, but let's tackle violence, Holocaust imagery. Yeah, but sexual violence against women and unnecessary and triggering recreations of Holocaust imagery isn't. That's not gratuitous, though. Cool. All right. It's just so, it's so fascinating how men find explicit violence not to be gratuitous. I don't really quite, I don't, I don't really understand how that works. Well, it would be interesting too, I just thought of this, but it would be interesting too, because obviously the writers of this show see themselves, um, this would obviously all have to be like a study that was done on like the unconscious on like the subconscious of people. Mm-hmm. But it's obvious that like the writers of the show were all white men so for the most, I mean, I think for the most part. All men for sure. All men. So it's like, obviously um, they unconsciously uh, relate to and see themselves in the, whoever these soldiers are, I don't know what they are, the, the people who are rounding up other, the other people. So it's like they see themselves in that. So I feel like there has to be some kind of subconscious that makes you show them in a better light, like even if it's subtle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like just by that, just by the um, relation to – that side of the, the situation yeah. rather than yeah rather than the oppressed um i think that that takes that takes some or that that lends some detachment to the oppressed so it's like you're not able to see like the actual harm and the actual damage being done to the oppressed because you like in this in this case where you're 
where you're tackling it in a medium in a media form Mm -hmm. and so it's like you're able to there 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 isn't that like recognition of how gratuitous this is because you are already subconsciously like seeing yourself in what is driving the oppressors forward more so than the experience of the oppressed yep i just think that there is there is like a not necessarily a a carelessness paid an an active carelessness given to like scully's storyline or people who have been through trauma like their storylines but i do think that there is a subconscious like additive to the storylines where they are similar to yours or they are being told through people who look like you yeah a hundred percent because i think there's a certain amount of fiction writing that's like imaginative right like obviously you're writing things that are fake and like how can you write magical supernatural universes if like you're only writing from experience but i think that there are it's obviously going to be told better if you can have that experience like if that's a possibility yeah and that's just we're having it doesn't mean that like white men can't be involved in any kind of storytelling it just means that they need to be seeking out other perspectives and having a diverse writer's room which is what we know this show lacks so the credits roll after this whole mass grave fucking shooting scene um and instead of the truth is out there it says apology is policy which just makes me roll my eyes so far back in my head. And I'm sure somebody will say it later in the episode. I think Scully says it. Yeah, I think she does. Um, So then we cut back to the moment when Mulder jumps on the train and drops his phone, and he's now just kind of, like, chilling on top of a fucking train, running around looking for a way in. Um, And so then we cut to Scully back. She's with Sloppy Toppy in her apartment, and she's pissed. She's like, I want to know what's on that train. And she's like, I know there's something living. I know the Japanese have something to do with it. I know a man named Ishimaru is involved. That's the guy that she recognizes from from her abduction. Um, But Sloppy Toppy won't say anything and then jillian is like fully in her 1940s transatlantic starlet era i know i talk about that so much in my notes because she looks so amazing and even like down to the way that she's speaking now and like asserting herself through speech she's like leaning so much into this dominance in her voice and like how much dominance her voice is capable of when she like pronunciates like every syllable and like it just it's giving me like the the qualities of like old timey like cop dramas where it was like quality of like the audio and like the how the mics picked up audio when they would film things wasn't as like wasn't super high quality. So like the actors had to like an oh like over enunciate everything. Yeah. And like really pronounce like every single syllable. That's what this is reminding me of. And oh, I totally love every second of it. It's so amazing. She seems like she's straight out of the 1940s. Like I, it's yeah. it's kind of magical. So Slobby Toppy won't tell her anything. And then she whips out her gun and she's like, don't tell me you don't know, you smug son of a... And before she can say bitch, he grabs her gun from her. But in the blooper, she actually gets through the whole line, doesn't she? In the blooper, she says, you lying sack of shit, which how she got that from... Is that what she... Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) Although it does kind of sound similar, so... She's like, I'm going to do a little improv. 
Yeah, she was like, I'm just going to roll with whatever comes out of my mouth. <laughs> um, And he's like, what are you going to do, shoot me? Like the men who shot your sister? Which seems Which like, oh, so oh. unnecessary. <laughs> seems like a low blow. And she's like, what the fuck, bro? Do you know them too? And then we love how this is 10 episodes into the season. And this is the first time Melissa's death has been mentioned since she died. <laughs> Yeah, he's at that point. Scully's like, "What the fuck?" And then like, you expect him to be like, "What are you gonna cry?" And then pretend like I'm your dad so that I can <laughs> come and comfort you. What are you gonna come to my door at two in the morning and have sex with me, even though? You, and then when the second we're at work the next morning, pretend like you don't even care or have any interest in me. What? Because you're because your dad died and you have daddy issues. She's like, uh, maybe. What about it? Maybe. God, well, not it's anymore. Like, well, we're already here. <laughs> And that she's like, we're already here. And then Sloppy Toppy's like, wait, no, I was just kidding. And she's like, no, come on. <laughs> but Stan's like the funniness of that. Anyway. <laughs> I think the scene is really heartbreaking. Like I had like a moment watching this because I was just like seeing her standing alone in her apartment when he leaves because it hit me that like this is truly the point of no return for her. Like there, there were times in the beginning of the show where Scully could have gone out and like preserved most of her life. But at this point, she's all in like her life will mm-hmm. never be the same or OK again at this point. And any yeah. dreams or aspirations she might have had are completely gone. And it's not that she doesn't consent to staying on this journey or feel passionate about it like she absolutely does but like her life is ruined in a way that Mulder's never is because I think realistically like up until the very fucking last episode in 2018 Mulder could stop anytime and live something akin to a normal life but that's not an option for Scully anymore and that's it's already completely gone and that's just so like oh my god I was just like that's so heartbreaking that's a really good point. Like, That's the thing, and I think I and I think I mentioned in the last episode, which is just that it's like this is all a choice for Mulder. It's not like, for her. It's not for her anymore. No, already we're at the beginning yeah. of season three, and it's like, and now her life is completely ruined, and she's stuck in this forever. It's like it would be. It's it, it's interesting that which which often I like actually now that you mention it is pretty like um is pretty reminiscent of like or not reminiscent is pretty telling of like it it parallels real life which is a sense that it's like Mulder could simply if you looked at these two people like if they both chose to walk away from this like what would they how what would the differences be between them like Mulder wouldn't look very different right no but Scully now is unable to have children and is dying of a fatal disease and even like on like a the on like the trivial level of just their careers Mulder could still have a career if he just like left this she like gave up a a different career to pursue this and like would have no options yeah she wouldn't be taken seriously in this field like yeah it's it's that's such an interesting point it's just wild that it happened so early yeah So Mulder gets into the train. There's a room that's locked with a big sign that says quarantine danger. Um, And Mulder goes into the train and he asks the conductor for access, um, but the conductor doesn't have it. Uh, The conductor does tell him that there's some doctor on board who is checking on that like quarantined car. And so that maybe he knows. Of course, the doctor's Japanese. His name is Dr. Shirozama. Um, It just kind of seems wrong the way that they're demonizing the Japanese with this plot little bit 
So Mulder goes into the doctor's room, and he's gone. So, of course, he goes through all his things and finds journals, but it's all written in Japanese, so he can't read them. Um, so he takes the briefcase, and he leaves, the, he leaves it with the train conductor, um, and he also leaves the train conductor with an unloaded gun in case he finds the doctor before Mulder does. Um, so then we cut to Bestie Pendrel and our girl Scully, and he's analyzing the chip for her, um, and he says that it's, it's essentially storing information, and Scully asks if it's storing biological information, um, and he says that he thought so, but actually it's mimicking the process of, of memory function in the brain, like kind of like a computer hard drive, um, and Pendrel's like, it's nothing like anything we've ever seen, like you could know a person's every thought with this, and she looks fucking horrified, of course, she also looks stunning. So do you want to talk about this look? Because this was like, this is when I first made note of the 1940s starlet. Oh, I actually have nothing on this look because I was just like floored from the first scene. That's fair. But I also am one with Agent Pendrel. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I was hyping him up so much this whole scene because he's so nervous. And then he like thinks that he's an idiot after she leaves. But it's like good for him for even being able to get one word out in front of her yeah (laughs) when she looks like this like truly he is stronger than the entire u.s army we all need to rally and support pendrel during these times yes 100 percent well i noticed that she was wearing pink eyeshadow here with like like a gray eyeliner and like darker red lips than she normally does and i was like that's so fun like i i never noticed the makeup until you say it but i was trying to like put i was like what would emily notice right now Aww. um so pendrel tells scully that the chip is so delicate that he destroyed it while he was working on it um but he found the name of the manufacturer and it's Japanese, but there's no record of this manufacturer. Sans one shipment sent to Dr. Shirozama at a research facility in Perky, West Virginia, the place that we saw in the beginning. So she puts her hand on his arm and tells him to keep up the good work. And she's totally like in her own little world, freaking out at all this information that she just got about her fucking trauma fucking understandably but pendrel is head over heels and like you can see him like start to breathe quicker and he awkwardly says keep it up yourself and then the second she leaves the room he says keep it up yourself what a doof (laughs) and it's cute he he pulled like a when your waiter comes over and is like enjoy your food and you're like you You too too. (laughs) the second they leave you're like what the fuck is wrong with me why don't you just shut the fuck up why do you eat ever i just want i want to hype pendrel up i'm like you're doing great it's really precious because uh, i don't know what it is maybe it's this actor but he really embodies like little me when any female teacher would show me like the slightest bit of extra kindness I would literally, like, lose my mind. And it's so funny because Scully, like, so awkwardly touches his arm. It's not even, like, natural. It's just, no. like, it's so the whole thing is so uncomfortable. And he completely is just, like, on the verge of going into cardiac arrest. And even just saying what I just said made me, like, I feel like I just had, like, a hot flash. So it's, mm-hmm. like, it really, nothing but relatable content from well the thing is is like the way that you talk about scully on this podcast with just like so much love and adoration is how she deserves to be treated and pendrel embodies a little bit of that 
which is like really beautiful to see. No, I made the same note, and you wanna know it's so funny? Huh? Is that okay? Like one, I'm happy that we have Pendrel because like fully accurate representation that every single person who meets Scully would fall in love with her, mm-hmm. right? Um, I say that as if she's like not really annoying sometimes, but I can say that <laughs> love with her. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean? Yes. But then the second part of that is that it's like this is who she should be with. Yes. Like, she should absolutely be with a man like him. Like, he is absolutely who she deserves because he doesn't talk down to her. He appreciates her intelligence. He hypes her up. He's, like, just so flustered around her. And yet, she, her standard is, like, who's going to treat me the worst in bed? And it's not (laughs) Pedro. She's like, who's the most emotionally unavailable? Oh, it's Mulder. Oops. Yep. And because, that's daddy issues, baby. Yeah, like, Agent Pendrell might tell her she's doing a good job, but, like, he wouldn't call her a good girl. And unfortunately, Scully doesn't need to be professionally validated. So She needs to be sexually validated. She needs to be sexually validated. Um, but, like, when Scully turns – when she, like, leaves after Pendrel says his little whatever, uh-huh. his little you-do line, yeah. um, you can see Scully being like, God damn it, Dana, why don't you find this man attractive? Like, I know. What's wrong with you? And all of but, us with daddy issues have had that moment where you're like, Scully's, uh, Scully's attraction is based in self-sabotage, so. And you know what? I can't blame her. Again, okay. relatable content. Relatable content only. So cut to we cut to a man on the train who we assume is Dr. Shiro. It's not hard to guess because he's literally the only Asian person. Every extra is white. Does this like conspiracy follow with like this Japanese undertone? Why do I feel like this just gets completely written out? I think it does. Well, I think it it's not that it gets completely written out. I think it just it this is like the beginning of it being a global thing because then it goes to the Russians and then it okay. goes like it, it goes all over, but they just start with the Japanese. Interesting. So there's and the whole thing is that it's like this Japanese scientist was was doing eugenic experiments with the approval of the US government. Like they were hiding him to do so. Oh, right, because he was a part of the paperclip thing, right? Yeah, So it, and, and that was the German. So this is just, like, they're, they're making it global, but they just, like, somehow... I think this is the clearest they tell the story, and so it seems like it's just... non-white. Yeah. yeah. They started with the, the men who were non, non-white. And, of course, you have to be searching for this one Japanese doctor when literally every white man is just as much to blame, but they're like, nah, we'll find them later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So... Yeah. Um, Dr. Shiro's on the train. There's this ominous white man watching him. Example A. (laughs) He has a a smug, I'm better than everyone look, so I assume he works for the government, and I'm correct. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he kills Dr. Shiro. So, Skullbag, so, like, the fucking, I feel this guy, the one person of color in the whole episode gets, I mean, not Sloppy Toppy, but the one other person of color in this whole episode, too, um, who gets demonized, doesn't even have any fucking lines. He just gets killed. And he's, like, this figurehead of this, like, of this conspiracy. What the fuck? I know. But this fucking horrible white man who's just as much, if not more, to blame has monologues. Yeah. 
Because everyone wants to know what's going on inside of his head. Mm. He's so intriguing. Mm. So Skullbag pulls up to Perky. (laughs) (laughs) It's absolutely not safe for her to be doing this on her own. No. But Mulder's a fuckhead who needed to jump onto a moving vehicle. So here we are. Um, Is a train a vehicle? Yeah, it moves, right? I don't know. I've always just considered cars to be vehicles. I don't know. I think anything that moves can be a vehicle, right? (laughs) (laughs) This is not a science podcast. An engineer. It's not even science. Engineering? What would be? I really don't know. I couldn't give you the definition of what engineering even is. (laughs) I'm like, engineering is the act of engineering. Studying engines. Thank you. Near things. So why why Scully went why Scully went to investigate this at the crack of dawn when it's still dark out? I don't fucking know. But she goes and she puts her big girl boots on. Um, and when she gets there, she sees people running. So she follows them and, and enters the room that we started the episode in. Um, and she finds a bunch of a bunch of terrified, very sick people hiding under the floorboards. We cut back to Mulder on the train. He finds a dead doctor. That's all you need to know. So then we go back to Scully. She talks to the people in the facility. They tell her that um, they have lived there at the Hansen's Disease Research Facility for most of their life. And this was essentially a leper colony. Um, And I looked it up, and leper is not a politically correct term to use for people with leprosy, but that's unsurprisingly what they call it in this show. So they say that Dr. Zama or any other medical professional isn't there anymore. And they all left um, before the death squad started coming, which I assume is what we saw in the beginning. So Scully and like the leader of this group walk through the woods and he tells her that their disfigurement forced, forced them into the camps before there was a treatment and that the others began arriving several years ago, but were always kept apart. Um, And so the others are the people that they killed in the beginning. So Dr. Zama would round up the others in groups for treatments, and the ones that returned always came back worse than they left with burns all over their bodies. Um, And so then, as he's saying this, um, him and Scully arrive at the mass grave, and Scully is very properly disgusted and horrified. And they completely show it. Like, all of this seems really graphic and triggering for them to be showing yeah, I it's was so really graphic. Surprised. Yeah, it's like it's almost because it's like this is this seems to be like the model thought for this show, which is just that like because it has to do with aliens, it's not triggering. When it's like I, because there are like because like they're like are they aliens? Are they not? Like what's in this grave? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's that because it has to do with like this conspiracy, and it's not like explicitly human they're like oh it won't be it's not triggering then like because scully's everything that happens with scully's arc is like in the name of alien science it's not triggering because that would never really happen i just think that like i i struggle with this because it like the idea is good right like the idea that like and it's realistic like it's real it's palpable issues of like the government experimenting with eugenics and like these atrocities that have happened in our history and continue to happen um but then they just like throw some supernatural elements into it and then therefore don't handle the topics with the weight that they need so what sounds like a helicopter starts approaching, and as um, Scully runs through the woods, she gets um, stopped by a bunch of military men. And then you hear two gunshots. 
And then they don't bring that up again. So I think that guy just died. Yeah, he did. That's so upsetting. I know. So we cut back to Mulder on the train. He tells the conductor not to stop the train until Mulder finds the, finds the killer of the doctor. Um, he finds a quarantine car. It's open. So he goes inside and finds another door. He's like looking through and he sees what looks like one of the same people or beings that was in the mass grave in pajamas, handcuffed, looking terrified. Um, and then suddenly there's a wire around his neck and it's that smug government guy trying to kill him. And they wrestle really it's really erotic okay like i know he's almost dying but like he like pulls his neck up when he's like on top of him on the floor like with that wire and there's like moaning it's it's a lot i just saw this post on tumblr that was like um two men trying to kill each other is inherently homoerotic (laughs) it kind of is and it made me think of you (laughs) Well, it is, and then you introduced Crycheck and the little scuffles that him and Mulder have, and they're hot. That's, just, that's a proven fact. I hope that's not fetishizing of me to say. I think it goes to the same thing, which is just that it's like I've seen so many people being like, "Why do I? I'm a straight woman, or I'm a queer woman, and I gravitate towards um, gay porn with mm. two men." And it is oh, because, and it is because it, it's it's male pleasure without the submission or um, objectification or um, whatever of any woman at all, like any yeah female subject. So probably similarly, like, why some women watch women love women porn. Because it's it's female pressure without the any kind of yes straight women yeah exactly. So the conductor man pulls through and comes in and pulls a gun um, on the smug man trying to kill Mulder, um, but then he kind of gets panicked and he just like runs out and locks them in. So Mulder and this government dude have a big confrontation moment, and this guy works for the NSA apparently. I guess there's a bomb on the train, so it's all very intense, but I just, like, was having a hard time paying attention because, like, Mulder's looking the way that he does, you know? He's, like, very sweaty. We've got my favorite 5 o'clock shadow. Um, He's... Which means you know he's distressed. You know, he's in distress. His facial hair is coming in rapidly. (laughs) He's got... a second. He's got scratches on his neck. He's, like, drenched in sweat, you know. How am I expected to pay attention? You're not. I'm, I'm you merely a to. woman, you know? That's okay. I'm doing my best. So and your best is good enough. Thank you. <laughs> um, so back to Scully. The army brings her back to the facility, and she talks with um, white man number 43, who works with smoking man. He's the one that always does the godfather impersonation when he speaks. Yep. So she's like, how the fuck do you know me? And he's like, I know everything about you, Dana. As if he has the right to call her Dana. And I also don't like this threat of men who, like, know everything about Scully against her consent. Pretty gross. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. No, it's yucky. So she asks him a bunch of questions and he answers absolutely none of them. 
Um, but we find out, I guess, that Dr. Shiro is Ishimaru, and the government hid him in this facility after the war where he was um, allowed to continue his eugenic experiments. And like, so, no wonder Scully is the way that she is, because she's living under a literal male gaze her whole life. Yeah. Like, an actual physical one. Yes. Like someone, like, a man is gazing at her yep. in some capacity her whole life from this moment forward. So anyone who criticizes her, think before you say the mean things you say. Yes. Don't say something if you're not going to say something nice. <laughs> Remember how we were saying, like, be an active participant in the things you're consuming and be critical? Not when it comes to Scully. <laughs> oh, my God. No, if you, if you criticize Scully, that's your own problem that you need to look at. <laughs> <laughs> She's perfect. <laughs> Scully is perfect, even in her imperfections. Yeah, I hate to bring it to you. Sorry, I don't. I do make the rules, actually. That's the girl boss world we live in. I will not stand for any slander of this woman. <laughs> Remember when two episodes ago you were talking how mad at her you were? That was then, this is now. That was then, this is now, and also people can change. CV, I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> So apparently, all those people in the mass graves were killed because they were exposed to something. What that something is, no one knows. They don't know if Scully was exposed. <laughs> and the Godfather brings her to a white room to show her something. Back to Mulder. They're trying to figure out a way to get out of there without setting off the bomb. The government man gets a phone call. Um, it's for Mulder, and it's our girl... She tells him that what's on the train is an alien. Dr. Shiro was experimenting on innocent human subjects, and she says that she's in a train car like the one from his alien autopsy video in the beginning, but she recognizes it because it's where they brought her when she was abducted. So she tells him that there's no such thing as alien abduction. It's just a smokescreen created by the government to give way to those tests. And the UFO Mulder saw wasn't a UFO. It was a Russian nuclear sub that was raised. And just bear with me for a second here. This, like, idea, I think, is a good device. Like, wondering, like, if it's actually aliens or is it the government or is it a mix of both? Like, that's a smart plot device that gives you a lot of leeway. But here we are, episode 10 of season 3, spitting out all of these answers, leaving them with nowhere to go. So if they had paced the amount of information we found out in each mythology episode, I think it would have been much more effective. And then if it was spaced out in order for that to work, they'd actually have to pick a solution and stick with it, which is something else that the show can't do. Um, but instead, all the information is spewed right off the bat. And the foundation of facts are completely malleable and change drastically throughout the series, which makes for, like, you can't avoid inconsistent storytelling if you don't even have a foundation of, like, set facts that, that are set in stone. Um, and, and then I think it makes like, it really easy to compound trauma after trauma after trauma on your characters with seeming no consequence because you don't have a strong foundation. Like, there's no basis in reality. You know? Does that make well, sense? Well, and also it's just that um, this is just, like, a larger scale operation where Scully says a bunch of things with the utmost confidence and then she's proven wrong. Yeah. Just on a larger scale. And I think that this scene really bothered me because, like, for what I don't, this, I was very confused. I was really just looking at how beautiful she was. But, fine. but it's like, I, so Mulder, there's some truth to what she's saying, right? Like, there mm -hmm. is. 
because Mulder seems to be like, oh, okay, right. Like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, this is kind of the first time that I'm picking up on how they really think that Scully would trust visual proof over Mulder, no matter who was showing her that proof. And it just seems like a very trivializing character trait that they're giving her. For somebody who's like a brilliant scientist, it seems like, why would she trust this man who's clearly a part of the conspiracy that's showing her this? Exactly. Especially after she had just seen what that, what that person showed her at the, in, at that testing she's like oh those were humans it just they were just tested on yeah i don't know but it doesn't i don't i i don't i don't know why they want to make her seem like the biggest dummy ever she she yeah like yeah she needs proof but she's also already expressed her profound and undying trust in Mulder at this point yeah so to think that she would be so easily led astray it's bullshit. doesn't add up it doesn't add up it doesn't and i think like the only way that i'm able to rationalize this like when i'm watching and like what seems consistent with her acting is that like she's so fucking traumatized that like this is a this is a an answer that she can like for her for her to be like okay this is something i can like sink my teeth into you know like it's something that's grounded in reality it like has some kind of foundation it's horrible and horrific but like it 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 like gives you something to process and move yeah. through rather than just floundering in like the space of nothingness like Mulder does. And I'm sure like for Scully too, thinking that it was like the US government who brought her to this place and not something foreign and unknown is probably a lot less, um, or I shouldn't say a lot less, but it's somewhat comforting to her knowing that like you said that this is like i guess tangible yeah a tangible answer to what may have happened to her yeah it's something she can work with and work through whereas like living in that space of like maybe it was creatures from another like place that we have no idea what they were like what the fuck do you do with that yeah Basically, if this bomb goes off on this train, not only will Moldy Boy die, but thousands of people will die from hemorrhagic fever? Question mark? I probably said that wrong. I apologize, all you smart listeners. Um, I did a great job. Thank you. Um, which is, I guess, what the test subject in the car has been exposed to. So Scully talks Mulder through where the bomb is on the train car. They find it, and it has a timer with only an hour and 42 minutes left on it. She says that he has to tell the train conductor to stop the train so they can get a bomb squad out there to deactivate the bomb. But fucking prick head pretends he can't hear her and just hangs up on her. And he instead tells the train conductor to reroute to an unpopulated area and unhook the car that they're on and keep going. So about 20 minutes pass and Mulder calls Scully and she scream answers. Um, and she's driving really speedy. She's fucking pissed at him. And she's trying to be, and, and he's trying to be charming and funny and make light of the situation. And I'm like losing my mind because it's like, it's just so annoying that he can't communicate for the life of him. Like, yes, that's annoying. But does it give me butterflies watching her be so worried and pissed at the same time and him trying to be calm, cool, and collected and like do the noble thing and sacrifice himself? Also, yes. And this fucking show launches me into a feminist crisis weekly. That's all. 
conversation also made me want to kill him because he's so confident that they're going to find him based on because what's in the car is so important but she's like if i'm right they're not going to want to find you but you don't think i'm right and like the ego on this man Mm. she's like we need to get you off as fast as we can and he goes i'm fielding all offers and suggestions bitch she's busting her ass to save your stupid fucking penis and she doesn't have to she could literally just be like lol you're an idiot bye and then that would be the end of moldy i just want to see some more gratitude like channel pendrel a bit molder yeah so cut to 38 minutes left until the bomb explodes and molder's just staring at the bomb going they're not gonna come are they no fucking shit you dumb bitch like why does he have to be so hot and sweaty while he's being an idiot because he wants to believe Scully. Ooh, he wants to believe TV. <laughs> See, it's so easy. <laughs> I literally just called you Scully, and I've never called you Scully in my life when Jillian calls David Mulder. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so easy. It doesn't mean it's anything. It's so easy. Um, after some, <laughs> I like, just like how, I like how shocked she is that it came out of her. She's like, Mulder. <laughs> She's like, you know, when Mulder... Mulder? <laughs> So after some bleh interrogation, um, the government man tells Mulder that the being on the car is a biological weapon because basically what they were doing with these experience, experiments was trying to come up with an immunity to an atomic weapon, and Dr. Zama succeeded with that with an alien-human hybrid. So Scully rushes into Mulder's apartment like she owns the place, because she does. She's so comfortable there, which is really hot. Um... And she calls the senator from the last episode. He doesn't fucking answer. She puts up her little tape stickers like nobody's uh, coming. Oh, hold on. Hmm? Hold on a second. One moment. Take your, take your time. When she picks up the phone, that is, those are my favorite stills ever. <laughs> I love how many of those you have. <laughs> I told you this is the stills era, okay? Yeah. I have four stills of her answering the phone and it like her hair literally looks like a halo like it looks like she's like framed i wrote one time that um when she was i wrote her laying on a bed and it looks like her hair was like you know how in like um in i don't know if you know this because you didn't go to a catholic school like i did and pretend to be catholic for some of your life Mm -hmm. but in like saint imagery Oftentimes there will be like a sun. I don't know if it's actually a sun, but it's like a gold, um, like, like ring. ball around like the saint behind the saint's head, or just this is the image. This is what I remember from my childhood. Okay, that's because okay. We had to do more a, than I know. A parade, and I we had to like draw um, saints, and then we put them on like these giant sticks, and like we walked in, mm-hmm. and the saint that I picked and the saint that my best friend picked um because they looked cool both had like circles anyways this is all to say that i wrote once that when scully was laying back on a bed her hair was like fanned out like as if it looked like oh wow uh, anyway yes the, the point is is that um her that's what her hair looks like here and it's very ethereal and very goddess like it looks like there's a ring of beautiful auburn sunlight around her perfect face i love that also the the way before she puts the tape up the way that she pushes the oh. books 
off of his desk. She just like, shoves them over. He's had some practice pushing those off the desk. That's all I'll say. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely been in that space. You know, she seemed very comfortable. Um, uh, completely carelessly throwing her jacket on his couch. A little too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little revealing. It's almost like she knew the couch was there. <laughs> like she had been there before. Like she'd been on the couch before without her jacket. <laughs> without some piece of clothing. Seeing something, things off the desk, you know? It's almost like she knew how to open his door. Mm. It's, it's, it's almost like she knew how to walk into the space. And she knew where the phone was. Suspect. And also his tape. Mm. Ooh. What are they using tape for? <laughs> Anyways. It's just scotch tape. <laughs> He's like, this is all I have. She's like, that's fine. Wait, what is the tough times called for what? What is it? Tough times called for tough measures. Hard times called for hard, rough. What is it? <laughs> Desperate times called. Thank you. <laughs> Desperate times call for desperate measures. Tough times call for tough measures. I said the same thing. Oh my god, that's so funny. Anyways, while she's waiting for men to call her, she puts on the autopsy video, and then with six minutes left of the bomb, Scully calls a fucking useless molder who's just sitting there. Um... And says that she might have a code for him to use because she's watching Dr. Shiro use it on the video. And so right as the door as she gets the door to unlock, um, she gets in the code and it unlocks. The fucking idiot government man starts beating up Mulder in a not erotic way, in a mean way. It's really funny because she like she when she's looking at the tape, right? The autopsy tape, and she's like trying to get it. She smiles so subtly because she's so proud of herself. She's like, oh, my God, I'm about to save his life. <laughs> she's like, I'm a genius. Oh, my God. She's like, this is so hot of me. She's like, like he's going to be so good. So the fucking government guy beats him up, and then he leaves Mulder in the car. Rude. But then right when he leaves, he gets shot in the stomach, which seems well-deserved. And then our boy Sloppy Toppy arrives, and, like, for a second, he debates whether or not he's going to save Mulder or the alien-human hybrid, um, but then decides on Mulder and gets out just in time for it to explode. So it seems like that exposure that they were talking about wasn't an issue anymore. I was thinking the same thing, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess that was the point of going to a non-populated, a less populated area, but, like, what about... He was there? Sloppy Toppy. Are they just good? So strange. So Mulder and Scully debrief at the office. She comes in and gives him Dr. Shiro's briefcase from the train. Um, The light here made her eyes look like two different colors. Kind of like his pupil differences. Sisters. She looks so breathtaking here. I, I don't, I can't even explain it. Like I really can't even, I don't, there aren't even words. Would you like the space to try to find them? You can go mm-hmm. ahead. No? Okay. The All I can say, okay, word of the day. How about that? Okay. Word of the day for Dana Scully's beauty is this is the embodiment of her as a female deity, okay? Because 
Ready? Yeah. Goddesses have been linked with virtues such as beauty, love, sexuality, and creativity. That's the best way I can describe her in this moment. I love Especially that. Especially with the light coming in from behind. That's beautiful. You did it. Like there's a light behind her, but her beauty on her face is brighter. Uh, I feel like Pendrels just should like be taking notes. I'll be here all week. Pendrel, if you're I listening. I cannot stand any word that's coming out of my mouth oh, right stop. now. Stop. Be nice to yourself. I love you. <laughs> I need to stop talking. Stop. Nobody wants you to stop talking. I do. If anything, they want me to stop talking about Mulder. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, enough about his neck. Jesus Christ. I'm like, I know. Incorrect. Incorrect. Um, so... Mulder says, I know what I saw in that train car. And she says, I know what I saw at that research facility. And they just kind of look at each other for a minute. And I'm like, ooh. And then she reads him to absolute filth and is like, you're doing their fucking job for them. You're making it easy for them to use aliens as a cover-up for the actual truth. And he's like, okay, goddamn. And then he talks about needing an apology for the truth. And like, babe, it's not you that needs an apology. Like, Like, her life is at stake here. It's like, he chose this. She didn't. This, this has big energy from Mulder of him being like, well, well, if I can't do this anymore, then I want someone to apologize to me. I know. <laughs> Literally. And so then the last scene is cigarette smoking man reading the actual journals. Um, but the last scene should have been the really hot angsty on the death sex that they had after that argument with a mix of anger that they can't agree or find common ground and a mix of relief that he's alive. The end. Imagine though. (laughs) Don't joke. Oh dear. Right though? Like that like mix of anger and relief that it would have been. And also like, why was there only one light on in in their office? It was just the, that desk lamp. That's what dreams are made of baby. Wow. The end. Speaking of sex, do you want to make a sex tape? Wait. That- <laughs> <laughs> sex tape is the perfect name for this segment, but how do we say that we're doing it without it sounding like we're doing it? Let's make a sex tape. Let's make a sex tape. Let's do it. Bow, chicka, bow, wow. I want like theme music. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> All right, let's play. Do you want to go first or do you want me to play a song first? You play a song first. Okay? This is this song is called Everything by Lifehouse. Okay. Have you heard this song? I don't know. It'll be okay. a mystery. The song, I feel like I don't want to tell you what the song's actually about because it ruins it. Okay, why would you tell me what it's about? Okay. For that one, I have okay. It's like very like movie trailer. Yeah, it's very montagey. Yes. Very montagey, and I was trying to figure it out. But then I was like, okay, when it builds, I could see <laughs> like halfway through, I was like, oh my god, that would be the perfect like thing for a montage. Like if there was ever a movie with Mulder and Scully, and then I realized that there were two movies, <laughs> but like an actually like a good one that was. Like, <laughs> That was like, you know. That had our interests and like, yeah. yeah. 
And then I was like, no, 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 that's too basic. So then I was like, what about, like, I want to believe, like, when Scully comes back, like, to Mulder. And I wrote a fic once. Um, oh, I love where this fic. She, like, where Scully, like, go, is living somewhere else and she goes on a date with this person and it's really bad. And so she drives to the Unremarkable house and, like, her car, I don't remember what happens, but she can't get all the way to the to the porch mm-hmm. in her car so she gets out of her car and it's pouring rain and like there's mud all over the fl- all over the floor all over the ground <laughs> and she's like stomping in the rain and she's soaking wet and he like sees her coming and when she like okay <laughs> not yet when he sees her coming and then when she gets to the porch she just like jumps in his arms and like he- she's soaking wet and he's dry and then it goes from there that fits really well I feel like that fits well. Yeah, my headcanon similar. It's just like if there was ever a movie about them on the run. Yeah. And, like the, it, and it seems like it's a montage from his perspective. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to know why that song is potentially ruined? Why? The song's about Jesus. <laughs> Ew. Are you serious? Doesn't that suck? But I found that song because Stevie Nicks was like, this song's erotic. Oh my god. And, and, then, and then the interviewer was like, well, you know that song's like about faith, right? And she was like, no, it sounds like a love story. Yeah. <laughs> and so, interpretation over intent. That's what I mean. It's all thematic. Now, I saw this on Instagram and I listened to it. So just bear with it. I listened to it again yesterday and I think it's good. Okay. Just, okay. It's called Still Loving You by Scorpions. Oh, I love this song. My mom loves this song. like this one the only thing i can think of is this is like post diana and it's Mm. him and it's like making it up to her and it's all about her and it's like him like trying to like like prove that he's still like literally i was literally gonna say this is the dana scully getting her reparations (laughs) her reparations Fox Mulder goes down on Dana Scully for five hours song. Literally. Oh my god. That's what I was gonna say. This is like her this is her pussy eating song. This is what comes on. The Mulder <laughs> puts this on and she's like, oh yes. She's like, I know what's coming. <laughs> Me. <laughs> no, but it's it's definitely it's like you know that scene in um the red shoe diaries that where he's is it the red shoe diaries it's one of those like softcore porn things that david duchovny did in the early 90s 80s i don't even know when he did them um where he's fucking the blonde girl against the car Uh uh-huh yeah that's red shoe diaries yeah and she's losing her mind it's like that energy except for it, it needs to solely be about her yeah this is all about scully 
this is all about Scully show. All right, yep. that's a good one. I forgot about that song. Um, we can do "I've Been Loving You Too Long" by Otis Redding. Okay, so I was thinking about this one for a long time, right? Because I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot. Right? But then I was like, okay, lyrics, because I was unsure about, like, what direction. So I was like, okay, listen to the lyrics. Maybe that'll give you some direction. Mm -hmm. And I decided um, top tier is revival, but, like, long hair. Okay. Um, We don't acknowledge the other kind. Yeah, long hair, revival, scully. Um, and it like starts at the unremarkable house, right? Like they're on their little porch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, I feel like they are sitting in like a really, really intimate way where it's like, maybe they're both facing each other, but like, and she's kind of straddling him, but her butt's still on the, on like the little porch swingy. Mm-hmm like it's just very like intimate and it's like very like just they're just like (laughs) worshiping no 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 no. it's like they're just like worshiping each other and then like he carries her inside and then like but there's not it's not like explicit it's not like they still have all their clothes on and like they're not touching any like zones But it's just like very intimate and they're like kissing a lot and like just worshiping each other's bodies. Oh, it's like a very emotional. Spending time. Yeah, like just spending time with each other in this intimate way. I love that. Without any expectation of it going further. Or... Oh, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, that's my final answer. That's amazing. <laughs> Mine is, it's, I don't know, I always picture, like, if you were to shoot it cinematically, what would you do? And so it's, like, imagining, like, seeing them moving into the unremarkable house before I want to believe, like, when they move in. And it would be, like, a montage of them, like, moving into the house, but also christening the house. So it's, like, it's back back and forth between them, like, trying to make pancakes and then making out and getting pancake batter everywhere and like laughing on the kitchen floor like covered in food and them like being very intimate and just holding each other in bed like even though their mattress is on the floor and there's boxes everywhere and like yeah. him just watching her as she like hangs things and all of that and, like a like a mock all of us together that's really sweet you got some good ones also hold on Another good one would be the scene from The L Word, which I don't know if we've talked about it on here before, but mm-hmm. there's a scene in The L Word between two characters, I won't say who, but um, the point is, is that their romance was also a slow burn, and so it works out well, because when they finally get together, it's like they just spend hours and hours oh, yeah. like, with each other, and then they end up on the kitchen floor and they're like one of them is blindfolded and the other one is like squirting whipped cream into their into the other one's mouth and it's like very very they're laughing and very it's sweet yeah. yeah so it could also be that as well yeah well done smalls i like those me too 
Keep sending us in your requests. It's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. And send us your questions and maybe just say hi. Cause I don't know. I, the more like every, I find myself wanting to like interact and talk back more and more. Totally. I don't really know how. So keep talking to us. I agree. Um, we love you. Be aware of what art you're consuming. Squirt some whipped cream in your mouth. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.